Well, good morning, and like Connor said, happy Easter. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and so thrilled that you are here with us in this very full room this morning, uh, and just thrilled to have you here with us. Now, typically, uh, in a gathering like this on an Easter morning, somebody like me, a like pastor person, uh, will say something like, he is risen, and then uh, there's usually a response that is... Okay, all right, those where all the church people are right there, so if you're... If you're a little concerned, those are the people to watch out for. Um, now, if you are with us for the first time, if you're a guest here, we are so thrilled that you would choose to spend a little bit of time with us. In fact, we have a gift for you. If you head out into the lobby at the info desk, which is the big, big desk right in the middle of our lobby, we have a gift that we'd like to put in your hands and just to say thank you for being here with us uh, this morning. Uh, that little like call and response that we do, that he is risen, he is risen indeed. We say that, we do that, uh, one, because it's true, uh, that's what we're celebrating here this morning, uh, and two, because it has changed everything for those who follow Jesus. That's what this morning is all about for us, because Easter is all about the reality that the power of God can bring life from death. In just a moment, we're going to hear testimonies, and we're going to see in the, the picture of baptism. Uh, so thank you to all of those who've come to cheer on your family and friends uh, who are, are making this outward expression of inward transformation this morning. And we love celebrating baptisms uh, at Easter because they're an incredible visual of the message of Easter that God redeems all stories, all kinds of stories. Uh, a couple days ago, out on the lawn uh, out there, we celebrated and remembered Good Friday. And in the moment, um, Good Friday didn't seem very good. If you had been there to see what was happening to Jesus, it'd be extremely difficult for you to imagine uh, that anything about that day could be good. But this morning, this Easter morning, because the story doesn't end at Good Friday, there's good news for us. And the good news is no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what's happened in your story, there's good news. And I don't know the bad seasons or the bad chapters uh, that are in your story, but I do know that there's good news. I do know that there's not a single story here today that Jesus cannot turn around for his glory and for your joy and for your good. No matter what dream has died, no matter what relationship has died, no matter what opportunity or career path has, has died, no matter where death has touched your life, God is big enough to change the story. That's the power of the resurrection. That's the power of God to bring good for you and glory for God in any story. And you might be sitting there and you think, well, that just kind of sounds like some Easter hype. That sounds like kind of preacher talk, like the thing that you're supposed to say. Uh, I want to give you just a, a, an account, an interaction that Jesus has in the Gospel of Luke that kind of serves as a backdrop for what we're celebrating uh, this Easter morning. In Luke chapter 7, uh, again, there's this account, there's this narrative story uh, of something that Jesus does in his life. It, it starts in, in verse 11 in Luke chapter 7. We'll put the text up on the screen so you can follow 
follow along with us. It says this, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples, those are his closest followers, and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. And Luke kind of colors this picture a little bit for us. It says, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. Now, Luke is giving us some information that's really important about this scene. She's a, she's a widow, which in that day and in that age, in that context, it would have meant that she had little to no standing in that community. In fact, because there was so much calamity around her life, they would have thought that she was somehow cursed by God for something that she has done, which is why she's lost her husband and now lost her son. And, and she would be a person who had no, no real voice and no real opportunity and her son could have been that. Her son could have uh, helped her with that, but now he was gone as well. And so you have no husband and no son. And in this culture, there's two strikes and you're out. Look at verse 13. But when the Lord saw her, but when Jesus sees her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Um, now, you might have already tuned out, but if you can just come back just for a second real quick, because this is important for you to hear if you don't get anything else this morning. There's something really important for you to hear. You need to know that God sees you, and his heart is full of compassion towards you. God's heart is going out to you today, to you personally. God's heart is going out to you today. No matter what's going on in your story, no matter what is kind of that you brought in here, you are seen by God and his heart is going out to you. Because what we're celebrating is a, is a good king and his kingdom is a good news kingdom. There's all the other gods, all the other paths, all the other ways that say, well, you have to earn your way you have to work your way to heaven or you have to work your way somehow into favor with God for his approval, for his acceptance. You better stack up enough good stuff. That's kind of this prevailing thought out there. Um, but our God says, well, you can't make a way. You can never do enough to make a way to be put back together with me. So, I'm going to do the unthinkable. I'm going to come to you in the person of Jesus Christ, my only son, and it's not going to be how hard you're going to have to try to get to me. I'm going to bring heaven to you, which is why we know that God looks at us even in our foolishness and our sinfulness and our rebellion against him and the choices that we've made and the choices that we're making and the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we look at the scripture and we see in the person of Jesus that his heart goes out to you. So Jesus, he's coming into town. There's the funeral procession that's heading out and he sees this broken woman. His heart goes out to her, the scripture says, and he says, don't cry. Which may seem like, Jesus, you're not really reading the room. Like you're not really understanding what's happening here. This is a a widow. She's already lost her husband. Now she's losing her son. She has no hope. She has no plan. She has no opportunities. She has absolutely nothing going for her. In fact, everything now is stacked heavily against her. And you just roll up and say, don't cry. It feels a little out of touch, Jesus. 
unless, unless you can actually back it up, unless there's some power that you can used to back that up. And maybe for you, even when you hear me stand up here and say things like, God loves you, God's for you, his heart is going out to you, he has compassion towards you, and he can bring life in the places where death seems to be reigning, you might be sitting there and you're like, man, you don't even know me. You don't know my story. You don't know how desperate my situation is. You don't know how far I feel from God. You don't know, I don't even know if I believe that there is a God. You don't know how broken my situation is, and you're right, I don't. I can't know that. But here's what I do know. I know that Jesus told a widow woman who had just lost her son, her only son, don't cry. So there must be power, and there must be good news in this king and in his kingdom. And what Easter is all about is that that same good news, that same power is here for you this morning because Jesus is alive and he's here. Yeah. Look how the story continues. We'll go quickly. Then he went up and he touched the beer. They were carrying him on, the, the dead man, and the, and the bearer stood still. And they stand still because this is a pretty scandalous thing that Jesus does here. A religious leader, a rabbi, a, a teacher like he was, uh, would never do something like this. They would never touch a dead thing, let alone a dead person, because that would defile them. So they would keep their distance. They would never go up. But what we see here is that there's nothing untouchable for Jesus. Jesus moves towards him, and he says... Young man, I say to you, get up. And the scripture says the dead man sat up and began to talk. Uh, around here, we always talk about when we read the scripture, just engage with it, engage your imagination, step into the story. And this is where I would love to be in the story. This is where I'd love to just show up and kind of get a front row seat because I wish the Bible gave us a little bit more information. Like when it says that he sat up and began to talk, I want to know, well, what's he saying? What's he, what's, what does he have to say? What's he talking about? Is he saying, well, I told you guys I was not feeling well. You should have listened to me. What, what, what's happening in that moment? But really, the most powerful thing is what you see in the next little line there. Jesus gave him back to his mother. You see, God is not a God who wants to just simply take from you. And a lot of you, you have that conception of God. That's the story you've told us yourself about God. That's what you think about God is that, well, he just wants to take. He just wants to take all my good times. He just wants to take my relationship. He just wants to take my future. He just wants to take my money. He just wants to take. But what the scripture shows us is not a God who just simply wants to take, but God is a God who wants to give back what sin and death and Satan have taken away from you. And so he hands the young man to his mother and he says, I told you. Don't cry. The lie of the enemy is that God could care less about you. And if he does care about you, it's not very good. He doesn't have a whole lot good to say about you. His heart's not going out to you in compassion. But we love this story around here. We actually tell this story a lot. Because here you see how Jesus, the Son of God, in love, moves towards people. He moves towards the widow, this ruined woman. He moves towards the son who has died. He's not afraid of what everybody else would have been afraid of. It, what's untouchable 
uh, to society is not untouchable to him. And he gives the son back to the widow and he, and he lingers there for a moment, not for the applause of the crowd, but so that the widow and the son feel seen and loved and known by God. And our prayer for you has been and is this morning is that you might in some way experience God moving towards you in a very personal and unique way that God would move towards you in love. Look how the story ends in verse 16. It says, they were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. Jesus is God. Jesus is here and he's here to help his people. That's the story of the gospels is that Jesus wants to show up in your bad news story with good news so that it wakes people up to the reality that God is here. This young man here, he does uh, eventually go to his funeral. He does uh, eventually have his body go into the ground, but not on this day, not on this day. And the reason there's a miracle is not just simply so that there'd be a miracle, but the reason there's a miracle is so that there'd be a message And the message is that God has come to help his people. It's the news about Jesus that spreads when the young man is brought from death to life. And when we witness Jesus do the same in our midst, it's his name and his fame and his renown that we want to see spread through the community and the city and beyond. When we witness it today and hear in the stories of baptisms and see it take place in baptism, we want the name of Jesus to radiate from this place in the name of Jesus alone. Because when the kingdom of God collides with the kingdom of this world, funerals are canceled and Jesus is made famous. So no matter what kind of death you're facing, there's good news. I want to give you four things that just describe what this good news is. These four things are not original with me. You've probably heard them somewhere else, but they're helpful for us when we're thinking about, well, what is this good news? We're going to see just real quick four things that make this good news. And the first thing is that the enemy may steal, but God restores. The enemy may steal, but God restores. The Bible tells us that the enemy has a plan to kill and to steal and to destroy. And and many of you, you've experienced that in life. You've experienced uh, how your own sin, your own choices, your own decisions have stolen or killed or destroyed something. You've experienced just the effect of this world on you, stealing or killing, destroying. But Jesus says of himself, he said, I came to give life and I've come to give life that's far more abundant than all the other empty promises that you've been kind of sold and that the world's propped up to you. There's another moment in John chapter 11. Jesus goes to another funeral. Jesus, by the way, don't invite him to your funeral unless you want it messed up because that's what he does. He just shows up and turns funerals upside down. Uh, But this time he goes to the funeral of one of his best friends, a guy named Lazarus. And uh, everybody who's there at the scene is heartbroken. Even Jesus is weeping over this. He's heartbroken. And he, uh, right before he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead and have him walk out of uh, his tomb, he turns to Martha, who's the sister of Lazarus, and he makes this statement in John eleven twenty five. He tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't say relax, it's going to be okay because I have the ability to resurrect, which he does. 
But no, he personifies resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection. And anyone who believes in me or believes into me, puts their full trust and faith and hope into me, will live even after dying. So the enemy may steal, but God restores. It's good news. It's good news because you may have to deal with the consequences, but you don't have to carry the guilt and the shame. Our sin, the decisions that we make, they, it carries consequences. The Bible speaks to that reality. It doesn't gloss over that. That's just true in the world. But the shame and the condemnation and the guilt, the stuff that makes you toss and turn at, at night, the stuff that keeps you up, has been carried by Jesus to his cross. And when you come to him in repentance and faith and trust in his finished, final, and complete work on the cross, you experience the forgiveness and freedom that he purchased. Jesus is not in the tomb today. We celebrate that. But we have to be honest and we have to be real about what put him in the tomb in the first place. It was my sin and your sin. Our rebellion against a holy God is what put Jesus in that tomb. And that started with our very first parents. We see that in the book of Genesis. And it ushered in death and exile to a garden and a world that God had designed for life and flourishing with him forever. And that death and that exile and that sin has been passed down through all of humanity. And we have all experienced death and exile in our lives. And when Jesus came to earth, he came to die that through his death, we have life. And when our trust, when our faith is in him alone, our sin and our guilt and our shame is nailed to the cross, buried in that tomb. And when Jesus is raised to new life, those who are his followers share in the new life, free from the punishment of sin and death. And yes, there are consequences, but we have a God who walks with us through the consequences, and through the outcomes, there is a grace that overwhelms the shame and the guilt. Our good news is good because our failure doesn't have to be fatal. Our failure doesn't have to be fatal. I don't know what you've been through. I have no way of really knowing that. But whatever you've been through, the reality is God has you here today. You made it here today which means there's hope for you. You're here whether you fully understand Easter or not, whether you fully understand everything that's going on here, whether or not you even really want to be here or not. God has you here this morning at a resurrection party, at a new life party. God brought you here this morning. And whatever you think has killed you, whatever you think, no, that's the end, it's over. Can I tell you something? And we're seeing it here. The good news is that nothing can stop Jesus from raising a life. Nothing can stop Jesus from raising a life. Your failure doesn't have to be fatal. Lastly, our defeats don't have to define us. Our defeats don't have to 
define us. Uh, as a church, we just finished working through the Gospel of John, and the Gospel of John, uh, it ends with the story of Peter. Peter is a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and in fact, he's uh, one of the most bold and one of the most brash followers of Jesus. Um, but the story of Peter is there is a pretty miserable failure that he has towards the end of Jesus' life. There's a moment uh, where Peter, uh, again, who's extremely bold, super bold about following Jesus, actually denies even knowing who Jesus is. He has this miserable kind of failure at the end of the life of, of Christ. But as you turn the page from the Gospel of John and, and head into the book of Acts, there's Peter preaching this powerful sermon, and, and you just see the church explode as the Holy Spirit works in and through him. And then as you kind of follow through Peter's story, uh, church history tells us he actually gave his life as a martyr for the faith and the gospel. And there is the fruit of the faithfulness everywhere you look in the kingdom of God from Peter. In fact, Jesus even says to Peter when he says, hey, Peter, you are going to deny me, but when you are restored or when you return, he says to Peter, you who has this miserable failure, you will be a source of strength for your brothers. Why? Because your defeats don't have to define you. The defining moment of Peter's life was not his failure in the courtyard where he denied Jesus. It's in John chapter 21 where Jesus restores him on the seashore. Your defeats don't have to define you. It's good news. We celebrate at Easter that the tomb is empty. The grave is defeated and death may break our hearts, but it will not conquer those whose faith is in Jesus. And can I just give you something, because if that doesn't describe you this morning, you would say, if you're honest, your own confession, your own admission of yourself is that I'm not a follower of Jesus. That's not where my faith is. Can I just offer you something that's even better than the invitation to brunch that you got if you came to church today, this morning? Um, you see, God didn't move the stone to let Jesus out, but to let you in. If you read the Bible, Jesus wasn't stuck in there just like waiting for the angels to roll around the stone, like, oh man, I hope they move it soon. I need to get out of here. I mean, he can walk through walls, he can walk on water. He could have figured it out. But you can't figure it out without him. And the good news is that Jesus is inviting you just right now, however you showed up here this morning, he is inviting you to move from death to life in him today. And so I just wanna just really simply just invite you. And you might say, man, I got a lot of questions. I don't get all this. I understand that, and that's totally okay. But would you, in this morning, just ask God to work and to move in your heart and in your life today? Would you just take this moment here and just ask God to do the work that only he can do to take you from death to new life in him? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And Father, we just thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his death. And we thank you for the power of his resurrection. God, we thank you that 
the story doesn't end at the cross. The cross is important. It's necessary. But God, we're so thankful for an empty tomb this morning. And we give you the praise and the honor that you and you alone are due, Jesus. And I do pray for those who have never encountered new life with you that today might be the first day of that new life. And so Jesus, would you just meet them right now, just exactly where they are? Just speak to them. Let them know that your heart is going out to them even now. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.